0: Now, we're going to read the Word of God tonight, Second Timothy, and it's chapter 4, the fourth chapter of Paul's second letter to Timothy. It's the last letter that Paul ever wrote. These are Paul's last words, we might say, and therefore they're very poignant, they're very relevant, they're very heart-searching, because sometimes whenever somebody's last words are spoken, those are the words that are remembered the most, and we're just going to read this last chapter of Paul's last letter, 2 Timothy, chapter 4, and we'll read the first 10 verses together, please. And just while you're looking up the place, can we give you all a very warm word of welcome. It's good to see each and every one of you, and we say that not just as a matter of form or just to multiply words, but we really are glad to see each and every one of you in our evening service tonight. You're very, very welcome, and it's our prayer that God will meet you and encourage you. And in the journey of life, whatever you're struggling with, whatever your burdens might be, that the Lord will draw near and that you'll be conscious of His presence here tonight. So thank you so much for coming, and there's supper provided for all that are able to stay after the service. But let's read these wonderful words, 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning at verse number 1. Paul says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom? Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts, shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned on to fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make foolproof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. And we'll just end at verse 10, and we know God will bless the reading of his precious word to every heart for his own sake and glory. Second Timothy chapter 4. Our text is found in verse number 10. It's a very solemn text. And I want to speak tonight very simply upon the subject, whatever happened to Demas. Whatever happened to Demas. Paul writes to Timothy this last letter that he will ever write. And he says in 2 Timothy 4 and verse number 10, the first part of the verse, Demas hath forsaken me having loved this present world, and is departed onto Thessalonica. Whatever happened to Demas? Let's pray together, and let's ask the Lord to speak. Let's yeah. seek the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee once again for the blessing that is ours of coming before the throne of grace, With an open Bible before us, having the assurance that the eye of the Lord is upon the righteous, his ear is open unto their cry. We praise thee as well for the promise of the Holy Spirit. We thank thee for the power of the Word of God, and thy word is not bound. And Lord God, we acknowledge human weakness and human inability, but Lord, we thank thee that thou hast promised to exalt and magnify thy word above Thy very name. And therefore, Lord, we pray that Thou wilt be pleased to speak to our hearts through the truth of the Word of God tonight. May it serve, Lord, as a, a warning, perhaps, even to those believers tonight who are walking closely with God. May it serve, O oh God, as a, a warning, perhaps, to those who maybe are on the brink of shipwreck and spiritual ruin to examine their hearts we pray, O God, that a work might be done. Glorify Thy Son, for it's in His name that we pray these things. Amen. Amen. The Apostle Paul, by this stage in his life and ministry, is an aged man. He's a prisoner in the city of Rome, and he knows that his life on earth will soon draw to a close, and he's going ultimately to be with his God and with His Savior, he declares in verse number 6 with assurance. And I believe with a note of victory and triumph, I am now ready to be offered. Or I am now ready to be martyred. And the time of my departure is at hand. Days are very limited for the Apostle Paul. He does not know, like the rest of us, how many days he has to spend. But he knows that at best they're going to be brief and they're going to be short. And yet at the same time, there is much to comfort or gladden the heart of the Apostle Paul. He's able to say, in verse number 7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. What a wonderful way to end your life in this earth. I trust tonight that many in this service and many listening in online will be able to, at the end of their life's journey... Look back to the moment whenever they were converted and say that from that moment they have, they have fought a good fight. They have kept the faith. And they have finished their course. There's much to gladden the heart of, of the Apostle Paul. And then as he thinks about eternity, he reminds Timothy in verse number 8 that there is laid up for me in heaven and glory a crown of righteousness... Which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. What a beautiful, beautiful thought. The Lord himself is going to give to the Apostle Paul in glory a crown of righteousness. And all that love the Lord's appearing, all that love Jesus Christ, and have beheld by faith the Lamb of God, and are looking again for His coming in glory, the Lord is going to give to all of His people who love Him and know Him and serve Him a crown of righteousness. So Paul is not down in the dumps. He's not downcast. He's not negative or pessimistic or in despair. Rather, Paul is in a prison cell, but there's joy and gladness and rejoicing in his heart. As he closes out his days, able to say, I have done everything to the best of my ability that God has called me to do. And soon I'm going to see my Savior. All his life's journey since that experience on the road to Damascus, Paul has made it as his testimony that for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And yet while there is much to glad in Paul's heart, there are also certain things to sadden. Paul's heart, especially whenever we look at verse number 10. Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world and has departed unto Thessalonica. The case of Demas was something that brought sadness to the heart of the Apostle Paul, even there in that lonely, dark, damp prison cell. He describes in the little epistle of Philemon, and the 24th verse, that that Demas is my fellow laborer. Demas, my fellow laborer. It wasn't just that Demas had a a passing interest in Christian things. It wasn't just that this man, Demas, whoever he was, had a a profession of faith and had prayed the sinner's prayer. Demas was a man actively involved in the work of the Lord, and he was honorably mentioned in other places by the Apostle Paul, my fellow laborer. Demas was a laborer. He was involved in the spread of the gospel. He was involved in evangelism. He was involved in the work of the ministry. Demas was involved in prayer. He was involved in soul winning. He was involved in encouraging the saints. Demas was a labourer. Demas was also a companion of the Apostle Paul because he says he's my fellow labourer. And we could take that compound word, fellow labourer, and just say that it's really two words joined together. Demas was a labourer, and Demas was also a fellow or a companion of the Apostle Paul, my fellow, my friend, a man that seemed at one time to have a kindred spirit, who stood side by side with the Apostle Paul. And therefore, whenever we look at a man like Demas, and this particular verse of Scripture, the life that Demas appeared to once live cannot be taken lightly. His Christian experience was not a flash-in-the-pan thing. If you study the writings of these letters where Demas' name is mentioned in Colossians and Philemon and now Second Timothy, some scholars believe that Demas could have been involved in the work of God for somewhere in the region of five years. A fellow and a laborer, a fellow laborer of the Apostle Paul. But it says in verse number 10, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. And that's one of the reasons Paul said to Timothy in verse number 9, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. Timothy, there are things that I need. I need the books, I need the parchments, I need a cloak. It's coming into the winter soon. And Timothy, I need your company and companionship and fellowship. Because Demas, who was once with me, has now forsaken me. And it begs us tonight to ask the question, whatever happened to Demas? Whatever happened to Demas? I want you to consider, first of all, just a few very brief points this evening. First of all, the departure he made. Demas made a departure. Paul says, Demas hath forsaken me and is departed. He was no longer found where he once was. He was often found side by side with the Apostle Paul. And it's evident from this letter, as Paul is in the city of Rome, that Demas evidently was in Rome as well. But he's not there now. Demas is gone. He's departed. He's left the Apostle Paul to go somewhere else. And In fact, it says, Demas has not just left me, but Demas has forsaken me. And that indicates that the departure that he made was not honorable or amicable. It wasn't that he had some pressing work to do in some other place or the Lord had led him on to another field of witness and testimony and service. Paul says, he's left me completely. He's left me behind. He's forsaken me. Or the word could also be translated, Demas has deserted me. And so this was something in the part of Demas that was willful. This was something in the part of Demas that was conscious. It wasn't something that sort of happened by accident and, and Demas just got waylaid temporarily. It seems that Demas got to a stage in his life, in the, the life and witness and work of God, that he made this decision, I'm finished, I'm leaving this behind. I'm going to leave the Apostle Paul. I'm going to desert him and I'm going to go my own way. His departure was willful and it was conscious. And dear friends tonight, I believe that this type of departure from the faith will be very real in the last days before Jesus Christ comes back again. This is in part what Paul is writing this very letter for, to warn Timothy that such things are going to happen in the last days. He says in in chapter 4 and verse number 1 of 1 Timothy, as a matter of fact, 1 Timothy 4 and verse 1, The Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart, and it's the same idea, some shall depart, from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he says in verse number 3, the time will come when they will not endure a sound doctrine and they will leave or depart from the faith and, and give heed to seducing spirits and, and doctrines of devils and Their ears shall be turned away from the truth. Whenever Paul was writing to the church at Thessalonica for the second time, he he described this great departure, this great apostasy, this great falling away that will happen in the last days before Christ comes back again. He said that day shall not come except or unless there is a falling away first. And the Man of sin is revealed and so there's going to be a great departure and we see something of what that's going to be like whenever we look at an individual like Demas. Demas has forsaken me and Demas has departed. The Bible says in the last days the love of many shall wax cold. And is it not true to say even this evening... As we come towards the end of 2022, we are seeing much more of this type of thing in our very day and generation than perhaps we've ever seen before. It could be said of Demas, no longer did the things of God appeal to him or attract him. The things that he once professed to love, he no longer did. And it seems that that old rugged cross has lost its attraction to men like Demas. You know, the hymn writer said it well, that old rugged cross, so despised by the world, has a wondrous attraction for me, for the dear Lamb of God left His glory above to bear it to dark Calvary, the child of God born again of the Holy Ghost, who recognizes even a little bit of the cost of their redemption, stands amazed as they survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, and the child of God finds a wondrous attraction in the cross, and concerning a Savior who the Bible says is despised, rejected of men, has no form nor comeliness, and no beauty that we should desire him, The Christian can say he is altogether lovely. Can I ask you tonight, is the Lord Jesus Christ attractive to you? Is the Son of God tonight lovely as far as you're concerned? Can you say, I have found him whom my soul loveth? Demas seemed to have no longer an attraction for the things of God at all, the departure that he made. Notice as well the direction that he went. It says, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed on to Thessalonica. Now Thessalonica was about 525 miles as the crew flies right across the Adriatic Sea from the city of Rome. 525 miles as the crew flies. That's the equivalent of the distance between Lisbon and Paris. So Demas has gone a long, long way from the place where he once was as a fellow laborer by the side of the Apostle Paul. It seems that he has gone as far away as it was possible for him to go within a given period. Demas had become hard towards the things of God. And furthermore, he wasn't doing missionary work in Thessalonica. He didn't have a burden for that city. He didn't say there's a city that needs Jesus Christ and Paul. I'm going to go and evangelize and preach and pray and witness and live for God. Demas went to Thessalonica because he loved this present age. And the city of Thessalonica was a Grecian city. Yes, there were Jewish people living in it. But by and large, it was a Grecian Gentile city a city that was by and large pagan, idolatrous, and secular. It was built by purpose quite near to Mount Olympus, which was a a symbol of the gods of the world. There was a great shrine to Zeus there. And Demas departed onto such a place. It's quite a remarkable thing whenever you consider here's a man who left the side of the greatest Christian that ever lived. And had a desire to go as far away as he could to a place like Thessalonica. It seems that Demas looked at Paul perhaps in Rome being laid hold upon as he was preaching the gospel and dragged before the magistrates. And maybe Demas like Peter stood afar off And then Paul is dragged into a prison cell and Demas looks at all of the hardships that the Apostle Paul is going through and consciously makes a choice and says, I'm not willing to go that far. I will never allow what happened to Paul to happen to me. Paul is just taking this whole thing to another level and it's far too costly. And I can enjoy a long and happy and prosperous and Pleasure filled life in this earth, and I'm not going to allow what happened to the Apostle Paul to, to happen to me. For a while, perhaps his body was in Rome, but maybe for months his heart was in Thessalonica. And maybe tonight you're found in a church meeting like this, you're found in a Christian home, you're born into a Christian family, you might still be a relatively young person, you might go along to the meetings of the church. And you're found in God's house and you make some type of profession of faith. And physically, you're in this meeting tonight physically. You're in the church physically. You're found amongst Christian people. But maybe tonight your heart is hundreds and hundreds of miles away. And you're looking at God's people. Some that are older and stricken in years. And you think they missed out on so much. And I don't want to finish out my life like that. I want to taste the world and taste the pleasures of this world and explore the world. Demas broke all of his vows, promised to take up the cross and follow the Lord. But now Demas has broken his vows and he's thinking only and solely of himself and his own happiness and thinking only for the present moment. What a tragedy the story of Demas is. The departure that he made the direction that he went. Notice as well the desire he exposed. It says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. There's where his desires are. Not for the world to come, but for this world. He's not thinking about eternity. He's not thinking about where he'll be 10 billion years from Second Timothy chapter 4. He's thinking only about this present world. He's no longer living with eternity's values in view. He's no longer thinking about what it will profit in if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul. Those things are no longer coming into his thinking. And you know, many professing Christians are just the same. They're really only concerned about this present age, this present world. Having a, a good time now for a few years. And friends, I think everything that has happened over the last couple of years with lockdowns and travel restrictions and, and the need for passports has caused people to think, well... I'm going to live my life now, spend my money now, enjoy myself now, satisfy the flesh now, live for self now, in case we get locked down all over again. And we have lost sight of eternity. And we have lost sight of the judgment seat of Christ. And we have lost sight of the cross. Maybe lost sight of Christ himself. No longer the Demas have a desire to be involved in God's work. No longer did Demas have a desire to be interested in God's will. No longer did Demas have a desire to be instructed by God's word. God's work, God's will, God's word all pushed over to one side and now he's thinking, now what do I want to do? I want to live for this present world. I want to give myself to this present age. I'm going to turn aside from all of the things that I once professed and loved. I wonder, are those perhaps telltale signs in our lives this evening that maybe our hearts are being drawn away by this present age? Do you still tonight have an interest in discovering the will of God for your life? To do the will of God? Are you still involved in God's work the way you once were, the place of prayer? Or maybe those things have been put to one side as you pursue whatever it is in the world you're looking for. Are you still being instructed by God's word or by the spirit of the age and the the trends of society? And maybe even the dictates of your own heart. Sometimes people have come to me and say, well, I, I, I believe it's It's God's will for me to go down this avenue. And you say, well, where's that in the Bible? Because it seems that it's very contrary to what the Word of God teaches. Well, I just feel and I just desire and I just think. And this is the way the doors seem to be opening. And maybe God's Word has got no bearing in the whole thing at all. These are things that are evident, you see, in the life of Demas. Do you desire tonight the things of God? The primary tenet for Christian living on this earth is Matthew 6 and 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, the word that's translated world there, it literally means age. The world order without God. And whenever Mr. Wagner was here, he made mention of that and reference to that on several occasions. This present world, this present age... The world system of humanity divorced as they see it from God. And the the Bible says that the devil, Satan or Lucifer, is the prince of this world or the God of this world. And now Demas, a fellow laborer of the Apostle Paul, is consciously deciding and choosing the world over the Savior that he once professed to love. And friends, I believe more and more and more now we are ever being confronted with choices, and they may be very small choices, but those choices come to us, and choices are made almost on a daily basis, and we are confronted, are we going to honor God, or are we going to do our own thing And engage in this present world at the expense of dishonoring our God. And very often it says a lot about what's in our hearts. Joshua said, Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Notice furthermore as we think about Demas, the devotion he displayed, having loved this present world. And the word that is translated love there is that profound Greek word agapeo, which means to love with strong affection, to love from the very depths of the heart, to love with devotion, and to love with feeling. This great word agapeo, and it's expressive of the love that we should have for Jesus Christ. Simon, thy son of Jonas, Lovest Agape, O thy me. Do you love me with all your heart, Peter? Do you love me with devotion? Do you love me with affection? It's not just, Peter, about what you say, but in your heart, in your soul, is there love for me? That's the type of love that God wants us to have for him. And yet that's the type of love that Demas had for this present world. And the Bible warns about it again and again and again. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, he's an enemy of God. Strong language from James. Equally strong language from John. And it's a big problem in this day and generation. The Word of God speaks in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and verse number 4, again about the last days. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And yes, it says here that there's going to be a a sense in which they will express or profess a certain level of love for God. Yes, I I profess, and yes, I believe that God loves me. And yes, I can say that there's something in my heart towards Him, but the problem is lovers of pleasure more than that. The pleasures always come first. The world always comes first. Self always comes first. And God is well down the pecking order. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, Jesus Christ our Lord. Dear friends, He taught us before He went to the cross in the Gospel of John, chapter fifteen. As He left His disciples in that upper room, and He spoke to them at great length, He said in First Timothy, or and jo- sorry, John fifteen verse number eighteen: "If the world hate you." If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Leonard Ravenhill once asked a question. He says, how is it that this world of ours hated and crucified the holiest man that ever lived and yet has got little or no problem with you or me? The Savior said here to his disciples, this present world will hate you. And Demas knew that well. And Demas now loves a world that hated absolutely everything that he once stood for whenever he was a fellow laborer of the Apostle Paul. Duncan Campbell used to say that the term worldly Christian is anathema. It's a contradiction in terms. There can be no such thing as a worldly Christian because a Christian is not of this world. A Christian, a person who's in the church of Jesus Christ, has been called out of this world. And therefore, we cannot be worldly if we're Christians at all. Can I ask you tonight, do you love the Lord Jesus Christ? Can you say, my Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine, for thee all the pleasures of sin, I resign. Do you show more devotion to the world or more devotion to the Saviour? These are questions that challenge our hearts. Notice furthermore the discouragement, I believe, that, that Demas caused. There's not much as discouraging as seeing somebody who showed much potential, much promise, much productivity, and much passion for the things of Christ and God to consciously come to a decision and say, that's it, I'm finished, I'm leaving it, I'm forsaking it, And I'm going to live for this present age. And I'm no longer involved in the things that I once knew or stood for. I'm sure some of you have come across people in your experience who once showed so much promise and potential. I tell you in my limited experience, I have given out gospel tracts with people. I have stood in the open air with people. I have knocked doors with people. I have sat down in prayer meetings with people. I have seen people and I've looked at them. And as I viewed them, they were more spiritual, more godly. They knew more theology. They knew more scripture. They had more fire and more passion than I've ever had. And tonight they're far, far, far away from God. Living for this present world. And I tell you, it breaks your heart. I believe tonight that Demas was a discouragement to the Apostle Paul. Paul's in prison. He's cold. He's lonely. He's lonely. He's awaiting his martyrdom. And Demas has gone for a life of ease in Thessalonica in that warm, sunny climate. And there's the Apostle Paul, and he thinks about all the times that he spent with Demas, his fellow, his laborer, his friend, his companion. And now Paul is in the dark, hard, cold prison cell floor, and Demas is living it up in Thessalonica for this present world. What a discouragement! He was to Paul. I believe as well he was a discouragement to the saints. In Colossians chapter 4 and verse number 14, as the Apostle Paul wrote his letter to the church at Colossae, he included the name of Demas, and Demas sent his greetings to the church there at Colossae. And it seems that Demas was involved in ministry in that city, maybe even the establishing of the church. And as Paul writes to that church, Demas says, now Paul, tell them that I was asking for them. Send my greetings. Tell them I'm thinking about them. I'm praying for them. And maybe I'll get to visit them again soon. And maybe, as those people at Colossae wondered in the passing of years, whatever happened to Demas? Remember that fellow that came with the Apostle Paul and, and wept and prayed over the city and preached with fire and enthusiasm and passion. I wonder whatever happened to Demas. Well, Demas left and forsook Paul because he loved this present world. And I believe as well that not only was Demas a discouragement to Paul and to the church, but he was also perhaps a discouragement to the sinners that he once preached to and witnessed to. Here was a man who told others they needed Christ. And now he, he's forsaken Christ himself. Here is a man who invited people to come and hear the Word of God. And he's no longer preaching the Word of God. He's no longer a desire for it himself. The Word of God speaks in Romans chapter 2 and verse number 24 about a, a certain sect with, within the, the Jewish community. And Paul says concerning them that the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles through you. He says you used to talk about teaching others and telling men that they shouldn't steal, they shouldn't commit adultery, they shouldn't commit sacrilege, and you boasted in the law, and now you're doing all the things that you said others shouldn't do. And the ungodly are blaspheming the very name of God because of their witness and testimony. I wonder what people thought about Demas whenever they heard that he had departed and maybe some of them recognized him even on his way through to Thessalonica. Demas, where are you going? How's Paul getting on? And Demas takes a red face. Can't look at him in the eye because he's going to Thessalonica to live it up in the lap of luxury while Paul dies in a prison cell. Years ago, I befriended a a young man. He was just a, a young convert at the time and I hadn't been long saved myself. And He felt the call of God to Bible college, and he had fire in his heart. And I can remember as we parted company at the end of a special weekend of convention meetings, he said to me, you know, I'll probably not see you for another few years. I don't know where this journey, this road is going to take me, but he says, make sure that if our paths ever cross five or ten or fifteen or twenty years from now, that we can look each other in the eye and we don't have to hang our heads in shame because Either one of us have lost out with God. We kept in touch for a number of years, he got married, had children, a family, and likewise I did the same. And after many years, about two years ago, or three years ago, in Port Rush one afternoon I was queuing up in a shop to get some drinks for the children and heard this fella calling my name and wasn't it the same guy? And the first thing he said to me was, What about church? Are you still going to church? And I was able to tell him that I was. And what about yourself still walking with God? But how different things could have been. What an awful thing whenever you can't look a fellow brother or sister in Christ in the face because you've lost out with God yourself. Consider as well as we think about Demas, the meeting is coming to a close soon, the deception he provoked. You know, the deceiver in these days, the devil himself is busier than ever. It may be that Demas had deceived others. Many looked at him and thought, here's a man that's zealous. Here's a man that's godly. Here's a man that's faithful. Here's a man that's taken up the cross. Here's a man that's filled with the Holy Ghost. Here's a man that's spiritual. But who knows for how long the world was in his heart. And the love for the things of this world had taken possession of his soul. And self was on the throne. Probably long before he ever made that departure, the world was in his heart. Maybe he deceived others. Maybe for a season he was even deceiving himself. Maybe down there in Thessalonica he was still deceiving himself. Sure, the Lord will never leave me nor forsake me. I believe in eternal security. I'm not really backslidden. I've just found my new liberty in Christ and I'm not a legalist anymore and all that obedience and all that burden and bearing the cross and prayer and separation from the world. I no longer need to live like that. I have discovered a new liberty and I can go down to Thessalonica and live it up with everybody else and the Lord will keep me. Friends, tonight, I believe in the security of the believer but that security that the believer has is found in Christ. It's not found in sin. There's never security in sin. There's always those security in Christ and in a life of fellowship with Him. He might have deceived others. He might even have deceived himself, but he certainly wasn't deceiving God. Maybe tonight you say, well, whatever happened to Demas? This all happened many, many years ago as Demas in heaven? Well, we thought a lot about Demas, the departure he made, the direction he went, the desires he exposed, the devotion he displayed, the discouragement he caused, the, the, the deception he provoked. What about the destiny he met? Will Demas be in heaven? Was Demas just somebody who lost out and grew cold at heart and became a backslider? Or was Demas more than that, was Demas some type of apostate who renounced Jesus Christ? Or or was Demas a man who was never truly born again, truly converted in the first place? Or is Demas in heaven and just lost his reward? In short tonight, friends, I don't know. All we can say tonight about Demas is the last time we saw Demas, he was going the wrong direction. And it's all tonight about where you are presently. And what direction your heart lies tonight. You know, the, 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 the explorer's compass always points towards magnetic north. And the heart of the true child of God, their heart is ever, even if it's diverted slightly, ever, I believe, drawn ultimately back to Jesus Christ but the heart of the unregenerate is drawn towards the world and the things of this world. Where's your heart tonight? Where's your affection? The Bible says where your treasure is, there shall your heart be also. Only God knows where Demas really was, spiritually speaking. Maybe Demas didn't even know himself, but tonight I'm asking you what direction you're going. You see, it's all about the direction we're headed. That that's really shows us the pathway, the road that we're on. I can jump on a train that's bound for Dublin and be absolutely convinced I'm headed towards Ballymena and then Ballymoney and then Coleraine and then Limavady and then Londonderry. But friends, if that train is bound and is on the track and is heading towards the direction of Dublin, it doesn't matter where I want that journey to end. Unless I get off that train and turn around and get on the right train, I'm going to end up in Dublin. And Demas was going the wrong direction. Then just lastly and closing, the danger he faced, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world and has departed unto Thessalonica. Demas was not in a safe place because he certainly wasn't in the center of the revealed will of God for his life. He had forsaken the things of God. He was in Thessalonica. And that wasn't a safe place for a Christian, really. Certainly not for a Christian outside of the will of God. If Demas loved this world, this world is not a friend to grace to help us unto God. As far as this world is concerned, it's like a light that attracts the moth. Remember, the moth gets attracted to the light And as it gets close to the light, it gets sizzled, it gets fried, it gets singed, it gets burned. Demas was not in a safe place. He was in danger in Thessalonica. But I believe he was in danger with regards to eternity. Every single one of us will give an account of himself before God. Paul's going to give an account of his life. Timothy's going to give an account of his life. Demas is going to give an account of his life. I'm going to give an account of my life. You're going to give an account of your life. And ultimately it all hinges upon what we have done for and what we have done with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What will I do with Jesus? That's what Pilate asked. And whenever we have decided what we're going to do with Christ, Then, based upon that foundation, it's about what we do for Christ. But sadly, we have to ask the question tonight, whatever happened to Demas? Where did he end up? Did he ever come back? Did he ever repent? Did he ever call upon the Lord for mercy? Did he ever get restored? We just don't know. And I wonder tonight, will that ever be said of you? Maybe five or ten years from tonight, whatever happened to that person? They used to sit in the meetings. They used to come to the place of prayer. They were involved in some way in the work of God. They used to help out in the children's meetings. They were so faithful. Where, where did they end up? And the question just lies unanswered. We just don't know. Do you love Jesus Christ this evening? Have you ever really responded in your heart to the love of God and given your life completely into the hands of the Savior? So that you can say like the Apostle Paul, I know whom I have believed. Not know what I have believed, but I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day.